been a bit of controversy brewing in the fantasy football space lately on Twitter via this account at Fantasy Receipts, Joey. I guess the whole premise here is that they will retweet, you know, Twitter takes from various fantasy analysts, you know, highlighting their incorrect calls with a nice little retweet, maybe a little snarky comment. And people seem <laughs> to be up in arms about this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like, how soft can you be? You Charming have ultra. a. I literally tweeted that exact same sentence you just said on October 22nd. I said, you got to be Charmin Ultrasoft if you're a fantasy quote analyst and block the fantasy receipts account. Yeah. Okay. My take on it is he or she has came out and made it abundantly clear that it's all in fun. They're not trying to promote any bullying or harassment or any negativity against the people that they're retweeting or quote tweeting or whomever. So when they come out and say that, and they're just trying to hold people accountable for bad takes, and the biggest one over the last week or so that has kind of caused this uproar was a gentleman by the at of Luke Sawhook making a trade of Justin Fields and Jonathan Taylor for Damian Pierce, and Fantasy Receipts quoted it or posted a screenshot of it and then that just opened the gates of hell for Luke so I feel bad for him in that regard but come on when you make a terrible trade like that a horrible trade you deserve in my opinion to get posted on the fantasy receipts Twitter it's that simple now does he deserve the hate absolutely not you know because at the end of the day this is just a game right this is just for fun but sometimes you know you just got to laugh it off both of us we don't take anything serious. Nothing anybody says on Twitter or in our YouTube chat will ever affect me or the way that I go about things in my process. And I know not everybody's like that, but at the end of the day, like this is just social media. This is Twitter. It is not that serious. And that's my take on it. It's just not that serious. It's all fun and games. They followed me. I followed them back. Shout out to Fantasy Receipts. I think it's funny. Obviously, I could see the other side of the argument there, but I'm still on the side of they're just holding people accountable for their bad takes and everybody's going to have bad takes, but you know, that doesn't really discredit people in my opinion. No, not at all. I mean, look, I'm entirely unsurprised that people are taking issue with this because there is a profound lack of personal accountability in society as a whole, right? I like, mean, oh, for oh, sure. Of course, people don't like being called out by someone else because the vast majority of people in life, like not even just the fantasy space have difficulty admitting when they're wrong about something, period. And I get it. It's not like a black and white thing because there are people in this industry that are quick to tell you when they're wrong about something. They're quick to tell you when they're right. But be clear, the percentage of people who will admit when they're wrong off rip without being pressed about it is a very, very small percentage of people. It's the exception to the rule, not the standard. The standard in fantasy is firing off 50 to 100, you know, takes per week on Twitter and then going back to retweet the ones that were right. You know, that's not me. It's not you, right? We sign off this podcast two times per week saying let's keep it you know authentic and stay accountable like that's our brand but a lot of you out there that's not your brand you know i see it i peep it to the people that call this bullying this is not bullying right this isn't an account targeting bystanders you know these are people who are actively stepping into a public forum you can't step into the fire and then get surprised when it's hot you don't step in front of a bullet and then call it a stray Okay. <laughs> Look, I mean, as as far as I'm concerned, shout out to Fantasy Receipts. Props to Fantasy Receipts. They've been catching a ton of heat this week. Whoever you are, God bless. You're doing the Lord's work, shaking things up. You know, yeah. th this space needs more accountability as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, accountability is something that 
a lot of people lack. You know, I, I was having a thought the other day that 99% of people lack one of two things, either personal accountability or self-awareness. And if you lack both of those things, my God help you. If but, you lack both of those things, you probably get upset when a Twitter account retweets your bad fantasy takes. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you can go back on my Twitter, and I have some bad best ball takes. I have some good ones. They could go retweet it, and I don't care. Also, part of my thing is, like, you're on social media, right? You're You're on Twitter. You know how it is, especially if you have a large following. Like, don't post your takes and don't post tweets and whatnot if you're not ready for the 13 year olds to troll you it's that simple hmm. like we wouldn't make content if we got hurt at the 13 year olds coming in our live stream telling us how much we suck at dfs and how much money we lose them and all this other bullshit when in reality they're just little kids and that's what they do i don't take offense to anything anybody says but like i said before that's not everybody and that's just how it is but i'll always be on the side of if if you're on social media and you're willingly posting tweets Look in the mirror, understand that you don't have to be on social media. You don't have to be a fantasy analyst and trolling comes with the job. It's that simple. Hate comes with the job. And if you can't take it, get the fuck off Twitter. That's that's my take. <laughs> if you can't understand that simple fact, it's unfortunate. I don't think it should be like that, but it is what it is. And that's where we live in. going on everybody welcome to episode 265 of the dfs dose podcast your fix of daily fantasy sports information strategy and analysis i'm your host ben hover joined as i always am by joey carrion and on today's show we are going to talk about everything you need to know in week 11 of the NFL from a DFS perspective, talk some slate specifics, go over the cash game construction, tournament strategy, leverage stacks, and long shots. Joey, how you doing entering week 11? Doing well, doing well. Ready to uh, discuss this slate once again and, you know, just uh, try and win the money. Kind of a tough slate right? Kind of another tightly priced slate. And I tweeted this. I kind of want to bring it up again. I mean, DraftKings, what are we doing with with this product, bro? Mm. When push comes to shove, like you, you gotta, you gotta loosen up the pricing a little bit, like make it somewhat enjoyable to play DraftKings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, th- that's why they do it though, right? They do it in the beginning of the year when the casuals are still on and, and everybody's just having a grand old time, you know, firing off some lineups. But at this point, dude, week 11, week 11, bro, everybody on here is, are just hardcore grinders, you know, spreadsheet dudes. Just it, it's wild. Like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like it's an entirely different game, you know, at this point in the year compared to like the first four weeks of the season. Yeah, for sure. And <sighs> They, they could just be doing so much more. They could be doing different types of contests and different lineups and or different pricing or, or something like that. I, I don't know. It's tough, though. I think you're absolutely right that there's a lot of casuals gone by week 11, but we do have kind of a promotional week coming up with Thanksgiving next week. Oh, my God. I, can't, I can't, literally can't wait, dude. Best so week of the year. Maybe we get you know, a fun Thanksgiving slate. Um, it usually is a little bit looser on Thanksgiving because more casuals are playing and, and making lineups for the holiday. I don't know. DraftKings, uh, I mean, they, they should just hire us to run their DFS department because it's in shambles, in my opinion. Like, people are still going to play because people are degenerates, but this shit is not, like, it's not that fun. It's pretty boring to make lineups right now, and I feel like we talk about the same players every single week. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It, it definitely needs a shakeup, but I, I feel like that won't happen until they're pushed or until there's actually like a significant drop off in revenue. Because like right now they're the top of the game, like they're still the best DFS platform right now. So people aren't going away from them. There just needs to be an alternative that pushes them to be different or an alternative that, you know, implements these things and, and becomes the new standard, like the same way that Underdog came in and they did a bunch of different stuff, you know, Superflex tournaments, all, all these other formats that, you know, quickly propelled them to being at the top of the best ball game. And and I think we need that kind of shake up in DFS as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, super flex contests, higher salary allowance contests. Uh, we talked about it before, but like being able to assign boosts to specific players or something like that contests without certain positions. There's so much more they could do. Obviously, they're not going to do it, but we have we just have to work with what we got. Uh, you know, that's enough of the bitching. We got a nice mm-hmm. week 11 slate to try and to try and make money on. We sure do. Week 11 and week 11 comes with 11 games on the main slate, eight games early, three games in the afternoon. From a totals perspective, we have Bears Falcons with a slate high 50. Never thought I would say that, you know, those are the two teams with the highest total on the slate, but that is where we're at in the NFL right now. Minnesota, Dallas, 47 and a half. Lions, Giants, 46. And then every other game on the slate is 45 or below from a total angle. The top five implied team totals on the slate, Baltimore, 28, Atlanta, 26 and a half. Buffalo, 25.75. Philly, 25.75. And the New York Giants at 24 and a half. What's standing out to you this week from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, I mean, what stands out to me is the Bears and Falcons having the highest total <laughs> on the slate. The Falcons have a 26.5 implied team total. The Bears have a 23.5 implied team total. I mean, could you tell, why are the Bears three-point underdogs here? Like, I literally misspoke in a video that we did on YouTube the other day saying that the Bears were three-point favorites just because I saw the line three and saw the two teams and and thought no way that the Falcons are favored in this spot, but somehow they are. I mean, that seems like a wild line and something that I'm absolutely going to be betting very soon. Yeah, I think the Bears should be favorites. I think that uh, odds makers definitely favorite home teams usually, um, especially with two relatively bad teams. I think minus three is a fair line for the Falcons. I would take the Bears plus three, you know, for taking a bet and I would take the Bears team total over. Just not too confident in, you know, two bad offenses providing fantasy fireworks, but nonetheless Justin Fields has still been one of the better quarterbacks, especially from a fantasy perspective and the Bears have been putting up points so who knows, maybe that game shoots out but some of the other games look okay, like Vikings, Cowboys looks like it could be a potential shootout. Giants against the Lions look very good. The Eagles have one of the highest implied team totals on the slate, and I don't think the Eagles are going to be chalky at all. We have a potential uh, blizzard in this Bills game, so we'll, we'll have to see how that affects that game. And I don't, I've heard people say that they might move the game. Is that is that true? All that I've heard is that there is like already a winter weather advisory like ahead of time. I I haven't heard anything about them moving the game, but I could be behind on that information. I know that the totals only dropped one point up to this point, so it doesn't seem like something they would move, I don't think, but I guess we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, and obviously sucks for us since uh, we're right near Buffalo, so just going to end up uh, hating life as soon as that happens, but definitely something to pay attention to for this slate, but it looks like an okay slate. Yeah, so let's talk about the cash game lineup construction. And starting off with quarterback, right, we have all four of the elite rushing quarterbacks on this slate. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, a lot of option 
you know, at the high end of quarterback. I don't really think Josh Allen is playable this week. You know, as as we talked about, it, it looks like the spot is going to be severely impacted by snow and he's 8,500. Justin Fields, on the other hand, has been priced way up, all the way up to 7,600. And that is extreme. But like we've said, it's the highest total on the slate. They're, you know, going to be underdogs in this spot. And you save 800 from Lamar Jackson and 600 from Jalen Hurts to go down to Justin Fields. So once again, I think Justin Fields is squarely going to be in play for cash games he does seem like the priority if you are paying up at quarterback yeah I mean Justin Fields rushing floor is just super high 12 plus rushing attempts in four out of his last five games 80 plus rushing yards in four out of his last five games five rushing touchdowns in his last four games overall quarterback one finishes and back to back weeks and now he gets another nut matchup against the Falcons 7600 I think he is one of the better plays at the position obviously playing Justin Fields at 7600 when he's only 600 less than Hertz is kind of disgusting and you know 800 less than Lamar and 900 less than Josh Allen but with his recent production it's hard to say like he's not worth the price tag. I mean, it's extremely difficult, right? Like since week seven, Justin Fields is averaging, you know, 33 fantasy points per game. Lamar Jackson's averaging 16. Like, like it's, it's, I mean, if we're just removing biases, like of how we look at these players based on their names and what they've done up to this point, and just look at, you know, what's going on right now in the NFL, Justin Fields absolutely deserves that price tag. And I think he is still a good play there. That being said, I mean, we actually have some pretty solid pay down options, I think, at the quarterback position for cash games this week specifically. And, and Daniel Jones is the one that stands out the most at 5,700 at home against the Detroit Lions team, giving up the most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. And Daniel Jones, in his own right, has had a pretty solid rushing floor as well this season. Yeah, Daniel Jones at home against the Lions in a smash spot. I mean, what could go wrong, you know? A lot. <laughs> a lot. A lot Probably. could go wrong. A lot. Um, Daniel Jones only has two games with 20-plus DraftKings points. I don't think he's like a total lock smash, you know, 3,000 lock of the century play, but he's definitely going to project well this week. I think ultimately it just comes down to how the cash game lineup build plays out. Some value if it opens up throughout the week and what projections are going to say. I I think he fits the build, but, you know, it's still Daniel Jones. Like, there's really no ceiling there, especially when your top playmakers on the outside are Wandale Robinson and Darius Slayton and Tanner Hudson. I, I, I know you didn't just say anything bad about Darius Slayton on this podcast. Like, as if that's not, like, a, a boost to his fantasy expectation, having Darius Slayton on the outside. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a boost to <laughs> to his expectation relative to, you know, the other players on the team. But Darius Slayton is, you know, just an average wide receiver at this point. Average at best, as unfortunate as that is to say. Kenny Galladay revenge game? I don't know. You might be underselling the spot. Nah. <laughs> I mean... This should be a spot where the the Giants, you know, should win. They're favored. I think this is more likely than not a Saquon game, but I'll probably play Daniel Jones in cash. And, you know, he'll probably get you 16 to 20 points, but the ceiling is just not there. And I think it's kind of bad to not consider ceiling in DFS, especially in 2022. And especially when prices are tight, like I want players that will be able to hit their ceiling and potentially separate me from the field and Daniel Jones is just not one 
of those players, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I can totally see the case for that as well. I mean, I do think that, you know, playing the Lions gives you a chance at hitting your ceiling, you know, above an average expectation. Like you're more likely to hit your sure. ceiling in a week playing the Lions, which I, I think strengthens the case for playing Daniel Jones. But I do totally agree with everything you said. I just don't expect him, you know, even in a great spot like this to give you 25 plus in most weeks. And Marcus Mariota, I think is interesting as well at 5,500. You're saving 200 to go down to him. He's had a pretty strong rushing floor as well this season, you know, 30 plus yards in, you know, every game but one since week five. The Falcons, like we mentioned, have the second highest implied team total on the slate. Obviously, the danger here is just that this team, you know, wants to run, run, run the ball every single play. But we've seen that if they get down, they will turn the tempo up at least a little bit, not too much. But, you know, he got 18 points last week playing from behind against Carolina. Could be a similar spot against the Bears team that's put up 29 plus in three straight weeks. I don't hate Mariota this week, but I do think that Dimes is is slightly better. Yeah, I mean, they're both pretty much the same play in my opinion. I think Mariota just from a talent perspective is a little bit worse. And, you know, if the Falcons are up in this game, they're just going to run the ball more which I do think makes him a little bit worse from a projection standpoint and he is $200 less than Jones so maybe that accounts for it but I I think Daniel Jones is a slightly better play just for you know matchup potential and the potential of more passing volume with Daniel Jones compared to Mariota I don't think Mariota is going to be too chalky to be honest maybe he's like the fourth or fifth highest owned quarterback but I think Fields and Daniel Jones are definitely the top two personally I would include Hurts in there 8200 not that much more than Justin Fields definitely don't mind Hurts this week other than that there there's not too many other quarterbacks that I would consider for cash but I, I think there are some good tournament pivots at the quarterback position Anybody that you want to shout out here? I think Dak and Joe Burrow definitely stand out for sure. 6,600 for Dak, 6,800 for Joe Burrow. Definitely like both of those as players that I think are just going to come in under own just from the price range that they're in. Everybody would just rather get up to Fields or Hurts or pay down to Daniel Jones or Marcus Mariota. They have stackable options you know where the ball is going to go with both quarterbacks and both quarterbacks in my opinion have high ceilings and then I don't know if Josh Allen is out of play you know whether or not they move the game that's to be determined or how much the snow is going to affect Josh Allen's ceiling but if he's out of play that just takes the amount of quarterbacks that these two guys have to compete with on the slate and you know they're already competing with Really, Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields, in my opinion, I don't even think Lamar Jackson's that good of a play, to be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Lamar could be okay, depending on the ownership. If if we get, you know, Lamar Jackson at low ownership with the highest team total on, on the slate, I think that's probably good from a tournament perspective. But we'll just have to see if he, you know, is getting propped up because of a good projection uh, based off that team total. I don't think that I would be too interested. It'll really just come down to ownership. And we'll talk about that more on the Saturday night, late night live stream. Agree with your takes as far as... Burrow and Prescott. Other than that, though, I mean, I'm not getting too crazy with quarterback this week. Uh, this week, I think it's Hurts, Fields, you know, Prescott, Burrow, and then if you want to take some shots on the cheap guys, that's okay as well. Running back this week is is ugly. You know, I see two standout plays on the entire slate, and one of them is Saquon Barkley, who's the highest priced running back of the week at 8,900. Smash spot against the Lions coming off of 36 touches. Is he a priority for you this week in cash uh, at the elevated price tag? Uh, I don't think he's a priority. Obviously, 
It's a very good spot. Touchdown expectation is relatively high, but 8,900, you can definitely get away from him. You know, only one game above 30 points this entire season and only two games above 25 DraftKings points for Saquon. He's just not being involved in the passing game enough, in my opinion, to warrant being a lock at 8,900. Like, he's not Austin Eckler. He's not Christian McCaffrey. He's not even Alvin Kamara with his passing game role. So I definitely think that limits his ceiling, matchup, talent, opportunity, just from a rushing volume perspective, is obviously very, very good. But I think you could definitely get away from Saquon in this spot. He was a better value last week. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he still wasn't the optimal play. And he's going to be a worse value this week. And he's more expensive, so I, I I don't know. I don't I don't think you play Saquon in cash personally. I think Josh Jacobs is a better play at seventy five hundred. I think David Montgomery at sixty one hundred is going to be stone chalk, which is fucking disgusting. But David Montgomery, I mean, how many times has he been a league winner? Over the last three years, all three I mean, years, dude. This is this is David <laughs> Montgomery's time of year. Like this is like God absolute is. clockwork. He's dog water for the first half of the year, just completely and average. Gets an and amazing like, schedule, <laughs> amazing gets, schedule down the stretch. Amazing workload down the stretch. Now Khalil Herbert's on IR. Like this is it, it. Feels like it was destined. Yeah. So taking a look at the Bears' schedule moving forward. I mean, obviously this is Week Eleven, and they're playing. The Falcons, good matchup there. They play the Jets, the Packers, the Eagles, the Bills, the Lions, and the Vikings. So, you know, three-plus matchups for David Montgomery there and some in some good game environments potentially. So, yeah, like clockwork, every single year David Montgomery becomes a league winner. So at 6,100, I think he's just a lock, um, especially if you're not playing Justin Fields in cash. I think the opportunity is going to be relatively good for DeMont in this spot. I'm assuming 15 to 20 touches, some work in the passing game. He'll probably score you like 15 points if he stays healthy with upside of, you know, multiple rushing touchdowns until Justin Fields ends up vulturing all of them. Josh Jacobs, though, I don't know how you feel about Jacobs, 7,500. I just think the opportunity is honestly like just as good as Saquon's, if not better with the passing game work that Josh Jacobs is getting. At the end of the year, Josh Jacobs will have more targets and catches than Saquon Barkley. He's still $1,400 less. He already torched the Broncos one time this year for 37 and a half DraftKings points, multiple touchdowns. That is the way you beat Denver on defense is through the ground game. I I, I think Josh Jacobs is a very, very good play this week. I, I don't hate it, and I totally agree. I mean, I think the workload is super solid. I wish the spot was better on the road against a division team as underdogs in a game with a 41 and a half total a total that's dropped two points since open like all of those factors are screaming to me don't play Josh Jacobs this week but I do agree and especially with just the state of their offense no Darren Waller no Hunter Renfro and as you mentioned Denver I mean they have the number one pass defense in the league and a very beatable rush defense especially lately trending down in terms of their rush defense allowing over 20 yards more per game in their last three compared to their season average so I think Jacobs on the surface is a pretty good play it's tough I think that you know it's just tough the opportunity is as good if not better and the price is good but I think the spot is better for Barkley so that's something that I think I just have to think about a little bit more uh, before I give a definitive take but you make a pretty strong case and I think that you know prior to you saying that I was kind of on the Barkley wave and and I might be uh 
considering Jacobs is a better play now. So that's something to think about. And then just, yeah, I want to totally echo all your points about David Montgomery. Great play this week and great fade in tournaments, in my opinion. As we saw last week, you know, in a great spot against Detroit in a game where the Bears put up, you know, 30 points, he still finished with 5.4. It's just so likely that Justin Fields isn't in the mix to vulture him, you know, at any point in terms of all rushing volume. Like Justin Fields is accounting for like 80% of the Bears rushing volume over the past couple of weeks. So it's tough with David Montgomery. I think the ceiling may not be as high as it has been in years past, but in terms of cash games, you're locking him in and you're not thinking about it twice. And I guess that just sort of building on this, like there's really not much at the running back position outside of David Montgomery that is like a screaming value. So like we can make the case for Jacobs, we can make the case for Barkley. But other than that, I mean, it's definitely a two running back week, right? Like I don't think that we're jamming three of these kind of okay plays into our into our cash lineup. Yeah, I mean, I think I disagree. I think it's a three running back week just with the lack of value at wide receiver and just ultimately how tight wide receiver is priced I think you can find three of these running back plays that fit the cash game build obviously I don't know how comfortable you are with playing Ramondre now that Damian Harris is back but Ramondre is going to be pretty owned Um, he has the pass game role in New England 6700 is obviously a steep price tag for a committee running back but the opportunity should be there I think the floor is pretty high with Mondre Tony Pollard could be interesting once again but I think we both expect Zeke to be back in this game but who knows if Zeke is ruled out Tony Pollard is a lock once again so I think we have to mention him but I I think I'm gonna try and find my way to a three running back build this week and really my my cash game running backs would be Saquon Josh Jacobs Ramondre Tony Pollard obviously if Zeke is out and uh, David Montgomery so just gonna try and work with three out of that group and and try and build the lineup uh, with those guys yeah Tony Pollard would obviously be a stone cold smash if we do get Zeke out that is something that we'll just have to wait and see about in terms of anybody else I don't think that there's much for cash games like I would consider Kenyon Drake at 5900 if Gus Edwards misses again he had 26 touches in their last game coming off of a bye gets a home spot with a massive team total massive favorites against the Panthers I think that he would be a really strong play but Gus Edwards was expected back after the bye we'll just have to see if that ends up being the way that it plays out and other than that there's nobody I would consider for cash games on DraftKings at the wide receiver position. And I think we disagree here. I mean, I think that there are cash viable options at pretty much every price point. And I think that they're relatively strong. And I mean, we can start in the mid range where we have guys like Terry McLaurin this week at 5,900. He's had an absolutely massive target share since Taylor Heineke took over sort of back to what we saw last year. And I don't think that the price has caught up with him still priced sub 6k. We have Cortland Sutton with Jerry Judy now out for a substantial amount of time in a good matchup against the Raiders at 6K. And then we have Jacoby Myers, your boy, at 5,500. I think that he sets up really well. Just, you know, ultimately a very safe play. And last time he played the Jets in week eight, 13 targets, turned that into nine for 60 and one, 21 points on DraftKings. And he's had more spike weeks this year than in, in years prior, which does make him better in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Jacoby definitely looks good. I just, uh, I mean... 
even as a Patriots fan, like it's tough. The this passing game is so inconsistent. Mac Jones has been so bad. Jacoby Myers targets have been super inconsistent as well, even though the floor has been relatively high, just because you know he's he's pretty much just gonna catch everything that that comes his way. Uh which it which is a good thing with Jacoby, but at fifty five hundred, you know, one of his highest price tags of the year. I don't necessarily love it but I, I think it's okay. Some of the other guys in that range look okay, like Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, Cortland Sutton. Honestly, if I had to if I had to pick, I mean, Cortland Sutton would be my favorite with the Jerry Judy injury. I just think that more targets are going to go Cortland Sutton's way. And 6K, I, I guess I would just eat the bullet, even though, you know, I kind of went on a rant saying like how bad you are if you play Broncos players in fantasy. So I'm kind of a hypocrite there. But Week-to-week game, 6K, Cortland Sutton, probably not going to be chalk, but that's a spot where I'd be willing to fade the field. Some other chalk players, in my opinion, this week, if we go up a little bit, Amon Ross St. Brown and T. Higgins. If you had to choose one, which one are you choosing, ASB or T? God, I mean, that's that's really tough. I mean, I think I would probably go Amon Ross St. Brown, maybe not the best. Obviously, the matchup is quite a bit better for T. Higgins. The Steelers have gotten absolutely obliterated this season. Uh based off of wide receivers and no Jamar Chase once again. So, I mean, I don't, I I love T Higgins this week. I I do want to play him, but it kind of makes sense to me, you know, if we're going to have like Daniel Jones and Saquon and Cash to just bring it back with Amon Ra. I don't, I don't know. And Amon Ra has been as safe as they come. He seems fully recovered, got back on the board with a monster game last week, uh, 25 points on DraftKings. And you just know what you're getting out of Amon Ra St. Brown when he's healthy and in this current state of this Lions offense and the way this team plays, Amon Ra is like goddamn lock for 10 targets every week yeah no absolutely i think both players are really good and i i kind of want to play both in cash to be honest that's that's um, my lean right now is is to play both because yeah i think both are going to project very very well i honestly think t higgins is due for a big game here um the target share is obviously going to be very good i think the target share is going to be just as good maybe a little bit worse than amon ross st browns um both guys are gonna you know push 25 30 percent each and every single week so both are good plays and that's my lane is you know playing both of them and playing a cheap wide receiver and if we're looking at the cheap end I think the standout guy is definitely Paris Campbell at 4300 just his role with Matt Ryan as the starting quarterback is one of the best roles like in the league in his last three starts where Matt Ryan was the quarterback he's had 9 12 and 11 targets 18 plus DraftKings points in all three games touchdowns in all three games so Matt Ryan just looks to Paris Campbell He's been pretty good this year after, you know, disappointing injury riddled years for sure. I think he's probably a lock in my opinion, just as the value play. But if we're looking at some other guys that I kind of find interesting, I think Ben Scourneck at 3,900 is okay. I honestly think he takes over for that Cooper Cup role and it's not Allen Robinson or Van Jefferson. And I also think he's better than Van Jefferson and he's $600 cheaper. So Ben Scourneck, 3,900 looks okay. I saw some people have some interest in DPJ once again at 4,600, but weather could obviously take him out of play. Other than that, I mean, I don't know. Do you have any other leans 
at the cheap wide receiver spot but besides you know those three guys I mean I think that those are definitely the two standouts for cash games I think Garrett Wilson's okay I just don't know that he fits the build but 4900 he's had seven and nine targets in each of the last two games put up 115 against the Patriots in week eight another 92 yards against Buffalo in week nine and Corey Davis is not practicing once again so I mean Garrett Wilson has just been having a really impressive rookie year and I, I don't see why it would stop here it's still a good price tag for him sub 5k against the Patriots so I, I like that a little bit, but I just don't think you go there and cash with Campbell and, and Scourneck uh, significantly cheaper. So yeah, that's pretty much my read on the cheap wide receivers. And I agree with everything you said about Campbell. Scourneck to me stands out because I mean, there's been points this year where it seems like Stafford has been locked onto him even with Cooper Cup. Like Scourneck has appeared to be the guy over Allen Robinson surprisingly all year. And, and you know, he's the only one of the three wide receivers now that I think kicks inside predominantly. So Scourneck at 39. 900 seems like a pretty good value, but definitely a low ceiling play. And I think that Campbell's ceiling would be a little bit higher and, you know, probably equally as safe. So Campbell would be my lean between the two in cash. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I think Campbell's a lock, to be honest. Mm. All right. In terms of the tight end position, not loving it this week. I mean, Juwan Johnson looks semi-interesting, I guess, at 3,100. Other than that, I mean... What are you thinking about the tight end position this week? I know that there's a stone cold punt that you might have some interest in it at 2,500. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think Jawan Johnson is the guy there for sure um, at 3,100. Just the opportunity has been really, really good. You know, f- five plus targets in three out of his last five games. Andy Dalton looks to him. He he does have some touchdown upside, even on a bad team. But some guy that, that might get a little bit of steam and maybe gets more snaps is, is Jack Stoll. 2500 for the Eagles with Dallas Goddard out for the foreseeable future. Probably too thin to play in cash, but definitely definitely interesting for sure. Logan Thomas at 2800 against the Texans looks okay. I definitely would go there if you want to save the 300 off of Juwan Johnson. Obviously, these guys aren't great plays, but at the tight end position, we want to, you know, save as much money as possible usually, even though if you go up a little bit, Moreau, Dolchich, Tyler Higby are all going to project better, but they're in that range where maybe it just doesn't work for cash games in terms of the lineup construction, unless you make it fit and, you know, you sacrifice elsewhere, but Dolchich, Moreau, I mean, they look like standout plays and, and Tyler Higby's target share should be super high in the spot as well. Yeah, I mean, Higby definitely stands out. Last week, caught eight of eight targets for 73 yards. And I mean, we saw it to start the year that the target share was, you know, wild. And then it kind of tapered off over the past couple of weeks. But without Cooper Cup, I mean, we could see him potentially lead the Rams in targets, I think. I mean, it's just a gross game and 4K is not a great price tag. It'd be hard, I think, to like, if you are paying up from the bottom of the barrel to like get all the way up to Higby when Dolchich isn't a great spot as well. And Jerry Judy won't be in. And then Foster Moreau has been productive since Darren Waller will be out, which is obviously going to be the case going forward. Forward. I mean, I think that that whole tier is pretty interesting, but probably more so a tournament tier because we need the salary and cash. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely going to be a tournament tier of tight ends for that. Not too many pay up options with, you know, Darren Waller on IR, Goddard out. Mark Andrews is questionable, but Mark Andrews would be, you know, kind of that pay up at tight end play if he's healthy. I, I think he goes this week, but we'll obviously have to wait and see. Other than that, there's really no nothing else that I'm interested in at the tight end position, I mean. 
God, just a horrible position, obviously. I mean, do we uh, chase the two touchdown back-to-back performances from Cole Komet in tournaments now all the way up to 4,100 or or not? Nah. Yeah, probably probably not. Probably not. But I mean, goddamn, he he sure has been getting it done. I mean, to the point of Mark Andrews, I think that in tournaments, he's a phenomenal play. Like it sounded that he could have been good to go, you know, prior to the bye, but they sat him because they know how important he is to the offense and they thought they could get away with a win without him, which it turns out they could. I think that it was more of like a precautionary rest than, you know, uh, he couldn't play sort of situation. I expect him to be back this week and 6,800 is a phenomenal price tag. I mean, Travis Kelsey has been, you know, in the 8K range and and Andrews has just as high of a ceiling, if not higher right now. So I I actually really like Mark Andrews in tournaments this week. Definitely not even remotely in cash consideration. And and we can just sort of transition here to tournaments in terms of leverage stacks and long shots. I mean, I think that there's a pretty clear path to leverage at the wide receiver position this week. You know, we kind of skipped over, you know, an entire price range, right? Like, there's a lot of guys sub 6K like McLaurin and Deontay and Jacoby Myers and, and stuff like that. Darnell Mooney that I could see people playing. And then obviously Higgins, Amon Ra, CD Lamb in the 7Ks will have some popularity. But there's like that whole mid-range that I think gets completely skipped over. Gabe Davis probably not in play because of the weather. Tyler Boyd is leverage off of T. Higgins. Chris Olave in a good spot against the Rams. And Michael Pittman, who to me is going to be one of the best leverage plays on the slate if Paris Cam is highly chalky you know the prices finally come down to 6100 and with Matt Ryan back I mean I think that the target upside is extremely high for Michael Pittman we've seen him get up you know to double digits at multiple points throughout the year including you know 16 targets 13 targets in a game where they should be chasing points I I love Michael Pittman this week yeah I mean Michael Pittman's is obviously going to project good for his target share but matchup wise it's probably like the worst matchup on the slate for Pittman going up against these Eagles corners in this Eagles secondary that just limits overall production to outside wide receivers unless your name is Terry McLaurin so I don't hate it I think the tournament play or the tournament pivot for me would be Jonathan Taylor once again that's obviously running back as the pivot off of Paris Campbell chalk a wide receiver I mean I think if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna make some tournament leverage plays I mean it's definitely paying up and flipping the build and getting up to CeeDee Lamb or Justin Jefferson or stacking that game in general, especially if it comes in at lower ownership. I mean, CeeDee Lamb has 7,500. If he has that same role that he had last week, which he probably won't, but if he does, he's a total smash. This game is in a dome, two potential high-powered offenses going at it, potential shootout, 7,500, target share, one of the highest in the NFL, obviously a very talented player. Nobody's going to play him. CeeDee Lamb looks like the best uh, tournament play at wide receiver this week barring ownership. Yeah, ownership is going to be the big question. I just don't know if people want to chase what happened last week. And honestly, my interest in CD Lamb will entirely come down to ownership because I could see it go either way. Like, obviously, we kind of talked about it on the review podcast Monday, but it's like CD Lamb is generally not this high ceiling player. We know that he's going to be consistent even in good spots. And I could definitely see if Ezekiel Elliott is back, the offense shift more run heavy because that's just the way they operate, even though it is not optimal for them. But if CD Lamb is, you know, underowned because of the price tag, then I would have a ton of interest in going there. And I just don't think that Justin Jefferson will be able to get that highly owned because of how tightly the price is. So building a game stack around those two players makes a lot of sense to me. I just I don't think I would play CD Lamb as like a one-off or anything because the only way he's getting there is if this game is going nuke and you know the Cowboys don't have the option of trying 
to drain the clock with, with Zeke and Pollard stuff. So I, th- I think game stacks of that game are certainly in play this week, uh, without a doubt. We already kind of touched on stacks and, and the quarterbacks that we're interested in. I do have two long shots that I'm I'm quite interested in. Uh, the first would be Mr. Nicholas Chubb at 8,200. I mean, I talk about this every week and he's never going to be super highly owned at this price tag on DraftKings. But I mean, do you remember the snow game from a few years ago when Le'Veon Bell went to Buffalo and he rushed for 230 yards and three touchdowns? I, I don't know, man. I, I'm kind of getting those vibes this week about Nick Chubb. Like he had some early lines up on on books. They all got taken down once, once everybody realized what type of weather this game was going to be dealing with. The Bills struggling hard right now. Josh Allen, despite being the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, has not had a great history of playing that well in these, you know, severe weather games. Nick Chubb comes to town. The Buffalo Bills rush defense has been declining week in and week out. I mean, this seems like it could be a Nicholas Chubb nuclear spot, and it's already the only thing that the Browns offense does well is run the ball. They might have to because of, you know, the circumstances surrounding snow. I really love Nick Chubb this week, man. And if he comes in, like sub 5% owned, I think he'll end up being one of the most owned players in my tournament portfolio this week. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm never playing Nick Chubb. I said that last week. You did. I, I'll let I'll let Nick Chubb burn me cuz even if he gets, you know, 25, 26 at 8200, that's manageable. But 200 yards and three touchdowns is not is not manageable to escape. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if that's your projection, then you lock him in in every lineup and ca- even in cash. I mean, it's not the base projection, but <laughs> it's, it's Benny H's base projection for week 11. Nick Chubb, 203. <laughs> He's a good play for sure. I will not be playing him. You know, you need 100 plus yards, two plus touchdowns and the rest of the running back field to bust, pretty much. Um, just because he's a player, he's not going to ever get a ton of work in the receiving game. You know, he's pretty much a one to two point expectation max in the receiving game. And on a full PPR site, there's just so many ways that these other running backs can catch up to him, even without, you know, the touchdowns and big plays, right? Like Nick Chubb, 100 yards rushing and a touchdown can easily be matched by one of these cheaper running backs that are going to catch six to seven passes if we have them, you know, like Ramondre potentially, Josh Jacobs potentially, et cetera. So I don't know. He's a good play. If I mean, you have do, weather do, conviction. Do, yeah. Yeah. The weather, I was going to say, like, does the weather impact it for bro, you? I, no. It's going to impact it for these teams. Is it? I mean, if it's as bad as they're saying it's going to be, it, it absolutely will. Like it would be, you know, but ridiculous for them to I gotta, be trying to pass in that kind of scenario. I got to ask you a question though. Sure. Is there another job on the planet where you could be more wrong about everything that happens and still have a job other than a meteorologist? Fantasy football analyst. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's if you get paid for it. And what? I don't even know the percentage. It's probably low. The amount of fantasy analysts that are actually making good money off this. But like we we live in Rochester, right? Like we're only a little bit of a little bit away, and it's like right now has a thirty percent chance of snowing mm. on Sunday. So I never really got the whole like it's gonna we're gonna get three feet of snow. Like bro, we live in upstate New York. I could check the fucking weather app and see that it's projected to not snow more than it is. But maybe that, these hey, that's weather... the that's the base projection. I think the ceiling on the snow projection is quite high. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so so they're they're factoring in the 99th percentile outcome for Mother Nature. I guess so. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm looking at the weather app. It says 30%. It's not even supposed to snow on Saturday. It's supposed to snow 30% on Sunday. We live 45 minutes away from Buffalo. I don't know where this three feet of snow is coming from, but these people know more than me. So may, maybe we get a bunch of snow late in the week and my app is completely wrong but as it stands right now I, I don't i don't know how much it really is going to be affected maybe a ton but obviously that would help nick chubb and you know the the rushing upside for other players and that maybe that puts a uh, cream hunt in play what's cream hunt's price that's galaxy brain right there 5100 cheapest of the season don't hate it Le- legitimately would not hate that for tournaments but i mean that's all completely barring weather stuff uh we'll talk about that more on saturday night we'll have a better inclination i mean and as far as long shots what do you got for this week long shots huh i mean you gotta go to to none other than than the man of the hour mr godius thank you about after you just besmirched his his name you're gonna take my second long shot there's uh, all right go ahead go ahead godius at 5k Love it. Probably not going to hit, but matchup is good. Can stack them with Daniel Jones. Gets you a little bit uh, unique in terms of ownership, and not many people are going to play Slayton with Daniel Jones, in my opinion. So you have a nice stack there. 5K, priced up pretty much out of everybody's range. He's going to project pretty poorly. Touchdowns in two out of his last three games. We just need the target upside to be there, but Darius Slayton definitely has big play upside. Broke a 54-yard touchdown last week. Long shot there, Darius Layton. Not going to work out, but looks good early in the week. Yeah, no, I I love it. Um, Leverage off of Saquon as well. Just super galaxy brain. Like projections will hate it, but I I love it. And I mean, sometimes you just got to buy into the talent, man. And this kid has been dripping with talent his entire career. It's just never been uh, properly utilized. Maybe, Maybe this is the spot. And when you get him at low ownership, leverage, and a great matchup, you know, you, you don't even have to ask. You already know we're going to be in on the Godius train. Like, it's <laughs> it's written in stone. So, yeah, that, that, that was my other long shot. The only other, you know, disgusting plays that kind of piqued my interest when I initially looked at this slate were the two Washington running backs because I'll literally play any running back against the Houston Texans. Their defense is so bad. It's like such an outlier right now what they're allowing for running backs. And, I mean, Gibson, you know, has a, a decent amount of target upside without McKissick there. He's had, you know, three plus in every game since week three with upside for four and seven in there as well. You know, getting a decent decent amount of work got the touchdown last week matchup is incredible brian robinson had 26 touches last week he's god awful but i mean if you're gonna get 26 touches against the houston texans like i would play you in DraftKings, to be honest so i I don't know i mean it's gross but i I think that you could make the case i mean give me 20 plus touches against the texans i'm I'm getting 100 yards in a (laughs) tutty you you honestly might man you you honestly might uh, because I, I like I, I'm I'm built like I'm built like a little linebacker, right? Like just obviously not as tall, but I, I could I could I could chug for some yards up the middle for sure against this Houston Texans team. I don't think there's anyone on this planet who couldn't. That's literally <laughs> how bad they are. Yeah, I mean that that's about it for me in terms of tournaments. Anything else that you want to shout out here? No, nah, I mean obviously. If you're still listening, shout out to you. Tune into the Saturday night live stream. That that's where all of the uh the good tournament takes come out. We have more information, we have more ownership projections and way better to to talk about tournaments Saturday night. So Saturday night, ten o'clock, YouTube, Dose Media Network. Go subscribe. 
and tune into that. Absolutely, guys. And that is going to be it for episode 265 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dose Media Net, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network, you can join the inner circle via our free Discord chat. Link to do so is in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Bye.